What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the 39th episode of the Cycle 365, which is recorded on June 29th, 2020. Before I move on, happy early 4th of July, or, you know, whatever. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Voyanos. I am one of your other co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And uh, we got Liam again today. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. How about, yeah. Is there like a an initiation to be a co-host like is there a oh, certain number of shows this is his second time we got liam hughes back and you know jesse he's he's a little busy moving right now he's uh transitioning in life say as we all are i guess that was really cheesy but we're gonna talk about football and this is all levels of football this is something that's been talked about a lot over um for quarantine really and we didn't really address it because you know we we wanted to talk about other things we can because it's our show so now we're going to talk about it so it comes down to the one question that we have for y'all for us right here which which state produces the best football players actually we could say make it more specific which state produces the best nfl players well i was gonna say we're we're gonna be looking at this topic from a variety of viewpoints you know because we're trying to take in historical turnouts you know in the nfl as well as you know which state produced the best nfl players so looking at that as well and also looking ahead into the future on which states might grow or plummet or anything in between very true we're going to cover it all i mean because this is honestly question that deserves more than one segment i would say because it could get pretty deep you know i as a fellow texan i'm already conditioned to say texas is easily the best state and will always be the best state but you know <laughs> there's some homies from florida california who might say otherwise and they actually might have a pretty good point there so let's get into it cody i think you have some historical stats regarding uh you know hall of famers and their home states i guess yeah, so the majority of my research revolved around looking through the Pro Football Hall of Fame website and just basically tallying which states had the most representation in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because if we're talking top of the top talent, it doesn't get better than the Hall of Fame, right? And what I found was really surprising. First off, non-football related. Simon, did you know that there's a Colorado city in Texas? Yes, I did know that. <laughs> did you not? Well, because I thought I was going to tally another one for Colorado because it said Colorado is the high school. And then it said Texas. And I was kind of mad. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I was like, man, we only have two tallies on this whole thing. <laughs> like, why you got to play hey, with really? my emotions like that? Yeah, Colorado high schools have only produced two Hall of Famers. Just wait until I start coaching high school or you, Cody, but go on. <laughs> Let's say I, I never claimed Colorado to be a, a football state. But what I did find were, well, there's a huge gap between certain states and other. And a lot of it has to do with parts of the country, I'd say. Like the North had a surprising amount of Hall of Famers, but there is only... There's less than 10 states that produced double-digit Hall of Famers. Okay, fair so, enough. So there's like a pretty steep drop-off after like these top 10 states. And the, the top ones 
or the top states that have produced the most Hall of Famers were in order California with 34 Hall of Famers, Pennsylvania with 30 Hall of Famers, yeah. 29 Hall of Famers from Ohio, the birthplace of football, and the only other state that had over 20 was Texas at 25 Hall of Famers. Right. Wait, okay, so California was number one. How many Hall of Famers did they have? 34, four more than the next state of Pennsylvania. But I was really surprised to see Pennsylvania be so high. Like, really? I definitely, I didn't know, I didn't know it was like that in Pennsylvania. No, Pennsylvania <laughs> used to have a uh, massive, I mean, it still has a pretty big football culture, but, you know, used to have I mean, a little bit more influence on the NFL. I mean, you I think about it between the Eagles and the Steelers, there's a huge professional level there, you know? And then you think about it back in the day too, a lot of these cities that have a bunch of, or a lot of these states that have a bunch of Hall of Famers, like when football was first started, like first starting, you went from your high school to your local college to your local professional football team. Cause it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, a career choice back when it was first starting. So that's why I think you see a lot of Ohio representation here from like ye old days of football when it was still a gridiron. Hey, I, I was going to ask this, but is it, so is that list of hall of famers from each state? Is it the state they were born in or the state they played high school football in high school football? Oh, okay. This, this list also, these states, other than Ohio, weren't super high in, because uh, the Hall of Fame also has coaches and contributors, right? And owners. But a lot of them weren't from these states. Like, I think that Ohio had, like, the most contributors that were Hall of Famers. So Texas probably has an edge on them and, like, players head-to-head. -head. But... Yeah, I feel like the contributors come from a lot of different states at that rate. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, uh, so I'm just going to put this out there. Oh, I mean, because you, you didn't mention this, that you know, the Hall of Fame is one of the better indicators of success football-wise. And I, I agree to a degree, but at the same time, you know, I mean, there are definitely a number of... Uh, number of players who may have had their career shortened because of injuries because it is football you know it happens and so they might not be in the hall of fame you know what i mean this is true this is true but i mean part of part of finding the answer is you know with where do all of the best of the best come from it's kind of the way right. that i looked at it that there is a bunch of nfl talent that is not included here and i will admit that though so, I mean, like current NFL talent. Well, current NFL talent, as well as, you know, there are good, there are still solid football players that won't be in the Hall of Fame. But if you can play in the NFL for a couple of years, I mean, Dre Bly will never be a Hall of Famer, but he was a starter for over five years in the NFL, which means something too, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, success is success. Sorry, go on, Liam. Oh, you're fine. I think it's important that uh, we do draw a, uh, a line of comparison between modern NFL, which is starting to see a lot more influence from southern states now that they're starting to 
you know, have a little bit more of a current impact on the NFL play styles and the older NFL, which was a little bit more Northern States controlled. Yeah, I was, I was definitely surprised to see some numbers on here. Some that like Illinois had 19 hall of famers and a lot of those are old heads with no disrespect, you know, just like I said, they grew up in Illinois. They went to their local high school. They went to maybe even straight to the bears, you know, back when it wasn't like a full-time job, you know, and you couldn't necessarily support yourself off of it, you know, and you were doing other stuff. Yeah. Whereas like Georgia currently, I think has under 10 total inductees into the hall of fame. But if you give that 40 years, they very easily could have 30. Yeah. They have six right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Like Georgia recently has been a school. This is just based off of my research that has definitely been churning out a lot of talent recently. And it's a pretty significant amount. There's a reason why, you know, the University of Georgia, Clemson, that's kind of close to that area, uh, does well. And uh, I think, Liam, you made a really good point that in 40 years, this could be very different. But uh, I do believe that there are a set number of states, you know, that will always be one of those powerhouses. So why don't we go ahead and say each of us, I mean, I could begin about top three states wise that produces the best football players does that sound good yeah do you want to yeah. do you want it to be current football players um let's the we best could go all we could go all time yeah we could go all time if y'all want okay um do you want to start us off simon because you introduced it yeah no i'll i'll start off and hold up so this list can include like current like you know, like older football players, like a Drew Brees, or I think that's fine as long as okay. they're you know elite. Okay, so players who are proven and could and who will probably go to the Hall of Fame, no doubt. Okay. All right, so all right, let's just say all of our list, and after that, you know, we could uh, we could discuss it and go into uh, explanations. You know, so at number one, I already said it, Texas, easy. So at number two. I'm gonna say Florida. That's even that's a little rough. I'm, I'm ah, shoots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that actually. Okay, yeah, no, actually, I'll stick with Florida at number two, and then California at number three. Top three is hard. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty hard. But those are the schools that I feel like will consistently and has consistently, you know, produced great football players. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna take your number three and I'm gonna slide it up to one. I think California is the football state, and you know I feel like a part of that is just like the amount of people there. Obviously, like Texas isn't like a like a non-populated state, but California just has so many people, and there's just so much talent that comes out of it, and they have a wide range of like different programs, and then you know. I feel like that the JUCO presence in California allows a lot of high school football athletes to be able to kind of bridge towards division one and then NFL after that. Like I know a lot of the guys on the football team at UNC lived in California, played high school football there, 
went to JUCO and then came to UNC. So that they're able to feed off of like the local talent at the JUCO level and then continue to produce, you know, from different directions, I guess you could say, into the NFL. Then at number two, I'm going to have to go with, I'll probably go with Texas at number two, just because of the talent that has come out of there. And then I'm going to go with Pennsylvania with Florida just outside of the top top three. Interesting. William, go ahead. I would say that California definitely uh, is my top number one. Um, I think, you know, it, it is super important to take to take into consideration those players who have already come and gone. Uh, but if we're just going off of today, I think California even still would maybe be number one because they got Tom Brady, they got Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Eric Weddle. So many Richard Sherman, you know, Deshaun Jackson, just so many top 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 tier players still in the nfl today that have been in the nfl 20 years at this point leading up uh so i think california has to take it for me um number two that's a tough one my heart wants to say ohio just because you know that's like cody said that's the birthplace of, of football I've been to Canton. I've been to the uh, to the Hall of Fame. So that's what my heart wants to say. But I will probably say Texas. And um, oh. <laughs> okay. but third, <laughs> third, I'll put Ohio. I'll put Ohio. Because uh. I, I think I don't know. There's there's such a football culture there, and it's like the the people live and breathe football in Cleveland and in Canton, and it. Uh, you know, there, there's a great history there, and they've put out a lot of great players and coaches and uh, staff just in general. Yeah, sure. Ohio is, you know, a great a great football state, and I wouldn't call Ohio any other state, you know. Yeah. Like, like there, certain states have labels, you know. Like, you know, Colorado, we're not – people aren't like, oh, yeah, Colorado, that's a football state, you know. We're like – we're like an outdoors hobby state, you know, that's like the reputation we have. But like, right. you know, you talk about Texas, you talk about Ohio, like those are football states. Right. That is the identity and the culture. Oh, for sure. State. So sure. Yeah. I mean, I, Ohio was really close. Honestly, I just, I don't know. I think it's also because like I said, I'm biased because I'm from Texas. So, if when it comes down to it, I'm probably almost always gonna put, you know, other southern states there <laughs> than uh, the northern states. So that's it's uh, my thing, you know. Uh, but here, let's let's get into the conversation. So y'all both put Texas at two, right? Or did one of y'all put yeah. it at three? Okay, yeah. So y'all both put Texas at two. No, I mean like. We could go position for position. Honestly, we could honestly do that. And I still kind of think Texas might have the edge. I'm just being honest because, I, I mean, do we want to go position by position? Because we can, but I'm yeah, saying do like, I don't know. Okay, about, okay. I don't know about quarterback dog. I think California's got you beat uh, by quarterback the whole way through. 
Drew Brees, there's no way Drew Brees is the only quarterback from Texas that, like, I'm looking at a list right now, so there we go. There's no way that Drew Brees is the only quarterback. That's kind of weird. I feel like that's not. Well, I mean, didn't Andrew Luck and Matt Stafford come from Texas? Yeah. But there's that's obviously a drop off. Like if you're going one two three versus one two three with that list that Liam put up with Brady Rogers, you know, and John Elway, and Elway, like that they don't come. That's not a competition at quarterback. Yeah, I will say. Hold up, sorry. There is an impressive list of running backs to have come out of Texas. Yeah, no, for sure. And okay, I just I just looked at it. So Texas quarterbacks were like. I guess the guys I grew up watching, not really grew up, but like, you know, I studied filmed on. So like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, those guys are all from Texas. And then obviously Drew Brees. Uh, I mean, you could include YA Tittle, you know, is that? Yeah. Why title Tittle? How do you say that? You know who I'm talking about. He's like, the yeah, I know. He, the Giants yeah. quarterback. <clears throat> yeah. And so, yeah. so I, I mean, when it comes to quarterback, I'll concede it to, to Cali. You know, running back for sure, no doubt it's Texas. You can't compete with an Earl Campbell, LaDainian Tomlinson, Eric yeah. Dickerson, Adrian Peterson. Like, it's overkill by that point. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And Thomas. Another one. Hey, Sammy Baugh's a quarterback from Texas. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, I Are guess... Are you really going to compare Sammy Baugh to Rodgers, Brady, or Elway? <laughs> he was a revolutionary okay but we're talking okay. <laughs> we're talking, a, we're talking <laughs> a revolutionary versus like on some lists you can rank the greatest quarterbacks of all time in that order from california fair enough. i mean that could be argued like you can literally but say for sure. the best like i said i mean i'm still getting california hey yeah well, I, don't, I don't know about rogers but you know yeah sure I mean, it's pretty close, I would say. But I would running back. It's Texas, right? We agreed on that. Uh, what about wide receiver? Who who are California wide receivers for y'all? Are y'all looking at it? Because I could say, yeah. okay, right away, Tim Brown. You know, I know y'all are uh, you know a Broncos fan, so you hate Man, any Tim Brown ain't nothing, bro. What? <laughs> Brown. <laughs> I'm just, I'm yeah. just playing, bro. I'm just hating. Just, just <laughs> let me hate. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, there's Lance Allworth. Didn't he play in that Eric? Oh, hold on. No, I'm just, I'm playing. I'm playing. Never mind. He was an older guy, you know. So, the, but he's still on there. He's still elite. Is yeah, he is. He is. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Uh, Ray Barry. He um, is somebody that, you know, was uh, Johnny Unitas's number one receiver. He's, I don't want to say he modernized, you know, wide receiver football drills, but, you know, he, he did his part for sure. You know, like a lot of the drills that he and Unitas did together are stuff that are still done today. You know, if y'all watch Peyton Manning's Places on ESPN+, Plus, this isn't a plug, by the way, but it's a really good show. Um, you know, they, they actually do a little segment with Ray Berry and, uh, and uh, Peyton Manning. And, you know, Antonio Brown is there, too, but we don't have to talk about that. So, <laughs> you know, the more the more I look, look at these lists, though, I feel like Pennsylvania only 
almost moves into number two for me because really? we want to talk about quarterbacks. This is Marino, Montana, yeah, Unitas, Namath. And then also at wide receiver, they have Andre Reed, Marvin Harrison, as well as Belinkentoff or Belitnikov. Yeah. Belitnikov. I always call it the Belinkentoff for some reason. I don't know why, which he has, you know, the best wide receiver in college. That trophy is named after him, which is different from NFL, but he still was an NFL talent. Jim Kelly was also from Pennsylvania. And then they're not a pushover at running back either. With Tony Dorsett probably being like the biggest name that they have, as well as, you know, like like they they got they got some real ballers that have shaped the NFL coming from there. Yeah, no, no disrespect towards Pennsylvania for sure, but don't think that would be enough to push texas out because i mean we haven't even got into the offensive lines and you know defenses yeah, defenses true. uh because there there's a solid amount for just you know they got they got some guys up there for sure like gene upshaw another raiders guy so there you go <laughs> there's uh i mean if we want to go a little bit yes uh what, what's the word more closer to today more present lane johnson's from there Jason Peters is from there. Forrest Greg? Greg? Here. I think I yeah, just... Yeah, Forrest I'm, Greg. Forrest Greg, he's from there. So, and, and obviously, you know, they, they're known to, you know, churn out some really good linemen. Maybe not Hall of Famers, but, you know, 10-year starters, uh, contributors for sure. So, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And then on the defensive side, I mean... A defensive line is pretty nasty, you know, with Mean Joe Green heading it up, followed by a Michael Strahan, uh, John nah, Randall. Dude, Michael Strahan played high school ball in Germany, bro. No, okay, <laughs> sure, but still. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I tallied him on Texas. Okay, okay. Uh, Jared Allen, you know, that guy played. He's from Texas, so there you go. And then linebacker Zach Thomas, y'all's boy Von Miller, you know, who's definitely going to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. There's, there's a lot. And then corners, you know, there's there's definitely some dudes here. Um, <clears throat> like uh, <laughs> Night Train Lane, one of the goats in Madden, if uh, if y'all remember we'll that. I'll be sharing what? his name later as well in one of our later segments. It's true. We will. Oh, Mike Singletary is also from uh, Texas as well. But sorry, uh, back to corners, you know, or DBs, Earl Thomas, Daryl Green as well. So uh, Mel Renfro, Ken Houston. Yeah, yep. and I would say uh, I would say that California, outside of currently like Richard Sherman and Eric Whittle, and I guess Marcus Peters too. Uh, yeah, Marcus Peters. They're pretty. They're a little thin. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. You, you were talking about linemen a little bit too. And uh, California also has Anthony Munoz, who's arguably the greatest lineman of all time, but they also have Larry Allen and Gary Zimmerman. So they're not thin at the big boy positions either right. out in Cali. And no. then no. Uh, looking through their running backs again, just a little bit, they have, you know, there's there's controversy around this one, but OJ was a great running back in the NFL. OJ Simpson. 
as well as Marcus Allen, who played for some really good teams throughout the 80s and was a high-impact guy. And then one of your... One of the players that you like to talk about, especially when it comes to linebackers and just like influences in the NFL, Junior Seau pops up. I saw talk that. about California. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, hey, California has some dudes for sure. Junior Seau. Uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and throw in Troy Palomalu, Lance Briggs. I didn't know he was from California. Oh my Seriously. gosh, Lance Briggs. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> oh, same. I, I mean, probably. Oh, is he going to make the Hall of Fame? I don't know if he will or not, to be honest. It... It's not looking great It'll for him. It'll be close. Okay, okay. So he might be like I a mean... senior inductee at the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Would you rather take an all-California defense or an all-Texas defense? And it's just these two going head-to-head. Well, at that rate... I'd probably have to take the Texas team, honestly, just because of the diversity that they have at multiple positions, you know. Yeah. But it's not by like a lot, right. you know. Like it's it's right. close. It's it comes down to hairs. Yeah, no, of course. I, I mean, these are all time, you know, players that we'll talk about. We'll get into the modern aspect of it like more a little bit later. But yeah, all time, you know, obviously you're always going to be splitting hairs. Uh, sorry, right. I cut you off there, Cody. But Liam, what, uh, what, what do you think? Um, if we're going with with players of today, I'd probably take Texas. Really? At all time? All time? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, okay, players of today. Maybe I would take uh, Kali. Maybe I would okay. Take yeah. Um, but all time, yeah, probably Texas. Okay, cool. So that's already half the football team. <laughs> uh, well, time, I'd say on offense, Cali Cal- has to be. Yeah. I mean, even if we go like offensive Better today, I, th- I think Cali still has has Texas beat. Bro, Munoz, Allen, and Zimmerman. Yeah. Zimmerman. Yeah, that's that's a great line. It's not comparable at all to Jason Peters. Late, or here, let me go back. Sorry. What Tyron Smith, He's David Bakhtiari? Come on, those guys are Kelly. Okay, okay, okay. See now, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, okay. Sure. You know, but hold up. I did say y'all would rather take the running backs from Texas than California, though, right? Yeah, sure. But I mean, the wide receiver plays from Cali are better, and it's not like Cali doesn't have great running backs they got marshawn lynch arguably yeah, but he's not better than adrian sorry my bad go on oh you're good i, I was gonna say that uh marshawn was arguably the most dominant in his time in his two couple two years three years better than adrian peterson i wouldn't say better overall but perhaps more dominant in his scheme Bro, I don't mind handing the ball off to O.J. Simpson. He ran for 2,000 yards in 14 games. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I know. it's taboo to talk about, but O.J. really is one of the elite running backs in NFL history. Yeah, that's fair. But like a comparable guy is Eric Dickerson. He didn't get arrested for. I'm not gonna go there. Hey, but I'm just saying, hey, everyone knows. Ball field here. And let's be or fair, Terrell Davis is Cali too. Yeah, but I mean, 
No, no cat. I mean, here, how many I'm not rings does Dickerson have? How many rings Dickerson have? What? How many rings Me? Dickerson have? I'm pretty sure he has none. Why? You know how many rings Terrell Davis has? What? Two. Two. But you can't say that Terrell Davis is a better running back because he has more rings. Ladanian Tomlinson has no rings, but would you say that Terrell Davis is better than LT? No, but Terrell Davis was the most important player on the Broncos team during those two Super Bowl runs. LT was important to his teams as well, though. Yeah, that's, and that, that's fair. But I think in, in a, I'm just in saying, a four if you're comparing year like, period... I think Terrell Davis might have even been the best running back of all time in a four-year period. <laughs> Terrell Davis, no, no, no. Terrell Davis was the best running back in the game when Barry Sanders was in his prime and all those other running backs from, from 95 to 2000, Terrell Davis was the best running back and there is no debate about it. A pretty specific time frame, but okay. I mean, I'm not a Broncos fan or a... 90s type of guys so it is what it is but at the same time you know fortunately he played for a won't call them incompetent but you know thurman thomas the buffalo bills he also went to three super bowls with the bills obviously he didn't win i'm saying that right now he didn't win okay <laughs> he was still good enough to get him there three times okay you gotta so, feel bad say. for yeah. thurman thomas yeah He's no for sure Sure. Uh, I look. I, we got our biases, you know. I think. I don't know. I kind of feel like there there are some. Uh, you know, there's a significant amount of Bronco friendly players. <laughs> this California <laughs> squad, and players not that that don't play for the Oakland Raiders and you know other teams, Chargers as well. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. But I mean, we could agree that it's close though. Oh yeah, I'd agree that it's close, but I, th I, I think Kelly does take the uh, offensive side of all. Yeah, sure. Simon, I do want to talk about your entry of Florida. You know, they're not, um, you know, as far as Hall of Fame goes, they're not super well represented, but upcoming in the Hall of Fame slash looking ahead to the future, Florida's looking really good. And also they have two of, you know, two members of the Cowboys 90 squads on there between Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders. So yeah. th there's some huge impact there. And another state that I want to shout out for just like historical significance to the game is Mississippi, because that is where Jerry Rice and Brett Favre both came from. And th they're two of yeah. arguably the best to ever do it. And then there's one other guy from Mississippi. Um, hold up, let me. Just check right here. That was, it was kind of a big deal. Um, oh my gosh, where the heck? Oh yeah. And then also Walter Payton. So they don't have like a ton, but the people that they do have are really elite. And also uh, there's this website that looks at per capita and Mississippi is actually number one on the Hall of Famer list for like players in the hall of fame per capita yeah no for sure i mean i'll here I'll, I'll give mississippi their due you know obviously they're a southern state so there you go i mean there's no surprises there it's just 
you know, a smaller population, so it's not like you could expect a whole ton. I do think Florida okay might have a defense that like would say rivals uh Texas to a degree because they got some dudes, especially you know, like when I would say first off, you know, I think the most I don't want to say most famous, you know, player from Florida. He's definitely up there. Deion Sanders, one of the best corners to ever play the game. He's there. You got Ray Lewis. You got Brian Dawkins. Sean I mean, Taylor. Yes, Sean Taylor as well. You got Derek Brooks. I think both of them. I mean, no, sorry. Derek Brooks and Derek Thomas. I always get them confused. But hey, both still really good linebackers to play the game. You know, you got Warren Sapp. We got Vince uh, Wilfork. We could even go old school. You got Deacon Jones. There's a, there's a dude back in the day. You know what I mean? So you definitely got some really good defensive players from Florida. And then coming up, I mean, you definitely have uh, some dudes that uh, will Florida in the Hall of Fame sometime soon, I guess. But uh, yeah. I guess the only knock against Florida would just have to be their offense because a lot of their yeah. offensive guys are guys that like are in the NFL. I don't want to say a lot of them are in the NFL right now, but it's just not as complete as of now, Hall of Fame wise. But in the next 20 or 30, how about in the next 30 or 40 years, you could see a lot of dudes that will probably make it into the Hall of Fame pretty soon here. I mean, for for an example of how kind of lacking Florida is in the offensive scheme, I uh, I just Googled best NFL quarterbacks to ever come out of Florida. And uh, at number four, you got Jacoby Brissett. Number three, Tim Tebow. Number two, Cam Newton. And then number one, Rex Grossman. So that's, I mean, Rex Wait, and, why did uh, they put Rex Grossman ahead of Cam Newton? <laughs> Are you I serious? Not, yeah. did they do that's a that? little weird. <laughs> that's disrespect dude rex grossman is like the worst quarterback to ever be in the super bowl what are they talking yeah. about rex grossman oh my god i know that wasn't the point of what you were saying but that has made me so mad i don't i'm not even like a camp fan but bruh excuse me is cam actually from florida i thought he was from georgia or sorry played okay okay played high school football in georgia i'm did he? Did he play high school football in, in Georgia? Uh, yeah, he did. Okay. Westlake. But he went to college uh, in Florida. Yeah, this is probably including Florida college people. So not even oh, Cam okay. then. So Rex is top one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say Lamar Jackson, when his career is done, will probably be in that conversation as well because he's from Florida. Yeah, for sure. With his high school looking like a knockoff LSU. Oh, you know. Each their own, am I right? Yeah, so I just, I feel like Florida's up and coming. Um, That's why I had them in the top three. Georgia was definitely really close. I don't have a whole ton of uh, players like in the Hall of Fame right now, I don't think. They got some legends up in there, you know, like Jim Brown, Herschel Walker. Uh, Marion Motley as well. Uh, oh, Calvin Johnson. So, well, he definitely got some dudes. Jamal Lewis. Oh so, yeah, I I would that, but I still kept them out of them out of the you know top three of all time just because I think a lot of their dudes just like Florida are in the NFL right now. For sure. I would like to say that if we're talking uh, just at 
just football in general. Um, big shout outs to Nebraska and Alabama. No. <laughs> hey, why? Nebraska got like three Hall of Famers, bro. No, I'm saying non NFL, just football in general. No, we don't. No, no. <laughs> Go big, right? You stop. Get that <laughs> off my freaking podcast, bro. No, Nebraska, you Nebraska? nothing. My entire mom's side of the family's from Nebraska, man. Since he what? wanted to get under my skin. That's the real truth. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm a Husker fan. He's like, what if I go to Colorado and I say, go Huskers? <laughs> I'm uh, kidding, oh, obviously. Cody, no, Alabama I... is big, but, but Nebraska, yeah. I mean, I guess so, but whatever. Cody, you and I have a mutual friend who's uh, going to Nebraska. It's a grad, not a grad transfer, as a grad student. Um, I'm not going to drop her name here, but yeah. Anyways. Wait, I do? Uh, we know somebody going to... And we know somebody who came out of the one of uh, the football programs in, in Nebraska, being Hastings. And um, he was not a fan. One of our very own Jesse Booten. <laughs> Um, not not yep. glowing reviews from that program. Yeah, well, can't be perfect. Well, I was gonna say, I think that considering college's contribution to the NFL is also like a valid thing to do. You know, like we've been talking high schools the most on here, yeah. but I think that you know, talking. Like a college football team is a part of like a state's football, you know, what am I trying to say here? Culture? Like it's a part of their culture, you know? So like, I feel like excluding, like only talking about high school kind of cheats a little bit, like colleges contributions to the NFL and like those states, because then, you know, like you end up with. Like, once again, talking about California, like USC has contributed a ton of players into the NFL, you know? So, but while Texas also has contributed a ton and, you know, I feel like the state's ability to recruit players from out of state into their state and sell them on their football culture also means something. Definitely. Okay. Do you have something to add, Liam? No, I think it is stated pretty well. <clears throat> no, I agree. I mean, do we want to discuss that briefly or? Yeah, I'm fine with discussing that briefly. I have I have a couple of sources here, you know, and the, I think, te- like, because then if you want to talk about Florida, then you have like the University of Miami, right? Which has a yeah. bunch of, I mean, Michael Irvin, Edrin James, who is somebody that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Just, and then, you know, like Jim Kelly, Jim Otto, Ed Reed, you know, like there's a bunch of dudes here, you know, and like the U is one of the best, well, was one of the better football programs for about a decade there, you know. No, agreed for sure. And even in that state of Florida, you still got Florida and Florida State. Those three teams that basically took turns dominating college football every other decade. So I feel like that can't be ignored either. Yeah. And then, you know, another thing is 
Indiana at, from a high school level has four Hall of Famers, right? But if you look at Notre Dame and you look at this list of players, like it's it's something else, you know, that's that's Joe Montana, that's Jerome Bettis, that's Tim Brown. Like there's like you don't think when you think of Notre Dame, I'm gonna be honest with you, I had to look up where Notre Dame was located to figure out what state to uh, like attribute like the credit to, but it's definitely a part of it still, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Notre Dame has always had a pretty good historical program, you know? There's no surprises there, I don't think. I, think I mean, it, it, on. I was just going to say, it's just a surprise that it's in Indiana. Like, Oh, well, I mean, I've always known that. <laughs> <laughs> Also, my uh, so I have a when I was student teaching, my cooperating teacher, her daughter is actually one of the volleyball coaches for Notre Dame's team, and uh, so shout out to her. And so she used to talk about Notre Dame a lot because you know her daughter's team and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. So that's cool. You know, then you also have like I feel like the colleges, like I said, are are, are an extension of the state culture. Because there's also sufficient evidence on this high school list that's echoed at the collegiate level, you know, because you have Ohio State, who's produced a bunch of Hall of Famers. Like I already said, USC. You also have Pitt has contributed a big handful of Hall of Famers, too. You know, so it really it's it's a sufficient echo that I think needed to be brought up while talking historically. No, for sure. I mean, I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, was there anything? Oh, here, Alabama, I know is a big one between Auburn and Alabama. There's a ton of NFL talent that comes out of there. I don't know why, but the first person I thought about was Bo Jackson. I mean, a true legend. Yeah. <laughs> the dude. Just in pieces career him as the person but you know his career that's right he still had a pretty solid baseball career so <laughs> yeah i mean i don't i'm not a baseball fan so i wouldn't know but that's that's what i've heard that sounds like a personal problem okay anyways <laughs> did we have anything else you wanted to add to this uh part of the segment nope nope i'm good i'm ready to discuss the future and uh get a bit more modern with it. I mean, we've talked about it just a little bit here and there, but. No, for sure. All right. So coming up next, we're going to talk about the modern day, the modern day NFL and a little bit of the future as well. Coming up next. Welcome back to the cycle 365 we're back with our conversation about which state produces the best football players and so you know we've talked about the past the past is cool you know it's proven but let's talk about the present and then some of the future you know because we've already done a little bit of that but i want to i want to dive deeper into it because definitely some dudes in the nfl and even in college football who are up and coming and have the potential uh you know all-time great someday Let's Agreed. get into it. Let's let's start, I guess, 
on the high school level and build our way up. So according to statistics I collected, top 100 recruits in the year 2020, so these are high school football recruits, 14 of them come from California, 13 from Florida, 11 from Georgia, 9 from Texas, and then a surprising 8 from Maryland. Which, oh, wow. What? Yeah, maybe it's just a fluke year for Maryland. It happens. It, you know, those are those are the stats as of right now for uh, for high school. I mean, Maryland's obviously a surprising one, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, very surprising. I didn't see that one coming at all. That's I don't think Maryland. Oh my, I'm kind of shook. Yeah, well, like Maryland I, I mean, also has really the top shook. player. The top player? Yeah, in, in the country. You're kidding. Nope. Well. <laughs> what, are the other seven players <laughs> from this team? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, wow, I, really, I really hope we don't have a Maryland audience that I'm just offending right now. Congratulations. Maryland is the best NFL football state ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Some people who are like that. But and then so that was for uh class of 2020. So these kids are gonna come in to well, hopefully this next football season and you know contribute and be freshmen on the college level. And so if we're throwing so I'm getting all this from this article that was posted on excuse me on December 17th, 2019. So it's pretty much after the season was over for most football teams i want to say pretty sure and so and just to add this on the current or okay well the current top 10 in december 17 2019 which is basically the last week of the season had one two had surprisingly only two top teams from california it had two top teams from texas it had two from Florida, and then the rest is Maryland, um, what is it, and South Carolina and Arizona. Do y'all want me to say the to say the schools real quick, just to preface it and the rank? Yeah, sure. Okay. So at number ten, it's Chandler High School from Arizona. Number nine, it's Dutch Fork from Irmo, um, South Carolina. That was okay. why are you laughing, bro. I I feel like I'm saying that name wrong, but oh well. Eight, it is the hated IMG Academy. I don't like them at all and never will. And we'll talk about that on one of these miniseries episodes. There you go. At seven, a little bit surprising, we have St. Louis High School from Honolulu, Hawaii. Hey, but, uh, how about that? No, they've produced some guys before, you know. Um, I could only think of Marcus Mariota right now. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa as well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Number six, you have North Shore. Oh, I, okay, I guess I have to say the whole part because people not from Texas won't get it. But Galena Park North Shore High School, Houston, Texas, one of the better teams in the last couple of years, a recent powerhouse to say. Number five, we have St. Thomas Aquinas from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. At four, we have St. Francis Academy from Baltimore, Maryland. At three, we have Duncanville High School from Texas. At two, we have Modern Day. Uh, from California, and then at number one, it's St. John Bosco, California. So California actually has two teams, the top two teams in the nation. 
um, well, at least from this past season, are from California. Yeah. Any reactions to those rankings or the stat I just said? Well, I was just going to chip in that Fort Lauderdale has, I say, I'd say in the past 10 years, I've heard that name more in football circles more than I ever did before. Yeah. So I think that they'll continue to, you know, I feel like they're just getting started, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Florida has always been a hot spot. You know, it's just the development of more Florida teams. Um, Liam, did you have something to add on to that? Um, you know, it, it's it's not surprising, but it's kind of impressive that Florida is building this this kind of massive football culture um, to, to rival states that have just significantly larger populations than it. And it's uh, it's impressive. And I like I'm excited to see who comes out of Florida and who continues to come out of Florida. You know, we've already got some great players in the NFL from it, and it'll be cool to see what else we can get. Absolutely. And speaking of Florida, there's one more stat I got from y'all concerning high school football. So this stat was, it was a study made by the NCAA in 2017. It's still pretty recent, I would say. Um, It's the percentage of high school players recruited ID one schools and uh, by state, you know, so this is out of 50 states, obviously. So it's a percentage of, um, of the total recruits that are recruited by D1 football programs. So at number one, it's Florida at 9.9%. There you go. At number it's two, it's high. Georgia. It's kind of high. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this kind of goes back to the argument, like, you know, just because have you may not have as many many hall of famers doesn't mean you have some decent you know role players or guys who contributed for uh, an extended amount of time being consistent you know yeah very true mm-hmm. so i mean there you go but yeah so florida at number one at 9.9 percent number two in the nation it's georgia at 8.6 percent at number three, it's Louisiana, a team, a state we haven't brought up at all, at eight point one percent. Which, oh, by the way, they do have Louisiana a ton of breeds. Legit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, just off the top of my head, they have both the Manning brothers, um, Odell Beckham, Arvis Landry, Leonard Fournette. I guess those are mostly current as well. Aaron Matthew. So yeah, Louisiana has a very respectable history in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Then. <sighs> bottom part of this this is definitely surprising but uh i don't know maybe if 2017 was just kind of a weird year obviously it was the year cody you and i graduated from so there you go but number four it's washington dc 7.2 percent i mean is that not surprising at all or? No, actually during my research um dc kind of shows out um not only they have a very mild historical presence with only three Hall of Famers, but DC is not a big area, you know. Oh. But I, their impact on sports, it well. First off, you talked about Maryland and all the recruits that they had this year, and Maryland is really close to DC. So when the culture of sports advances in one area, it advances it in both. I think, and you know that area that they've been known to produce athletes in sports you know, just like across the board in a lot of sports. So it doesn't surprise me to start to see football growing in DC and 
you know, becoming impactful, honestly. Yeah. I mean, for sure. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because right under uh, Washington, D.C., it's Maryland at 6.5%. See? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. And I mean, and... Those, two, those two obviously very closely tied together. Yes, for sure. Okay, maybe there's not that big of a surprise, but eh, I don't know. Well, why um, were you surprised, Simon? Because it sounds like you were surprised. Well, I mean, for me, it's just because it's a smaller area. It's like, dang, that's kind of that's interesting. You know, I wouldn't have thought that at all. You know. Yeah. Fair. I mean, fair enough. It is. It is really small. Like, yeah. first off, it should be a state. That's the most <laughs> controversial thing I've ever said <laughs> on the show. Secondly. You know, I mean, it's also not as wealthy of an area as you might think it is. Because just because a lot of people work in D.C. doesn't necessarily mean that they live in D.C. So it's actually not like a super wealthy area either. Yeah, yeah no, football, sure. Football's not like a cheap sport, you know, just because of the equipment mainly. Oh, absolutely. And understand that so um, I, I mean i guess i'm so surprised that maryland is still like oh, they're hanging in there definitely hanging in there but anyways last couple states are really surprising well maybe not really but pretty surprising so um these next two are tied at 6.2 percent that's tennessee and south carolina and then north carolina is right below them at 5.9 percent so it's coming for them it's true it does note that Pennsylvania, Alabama, Ohio, California, and Texas, like they have some pretty low percentages. A lot. Texas has a 2.7 percent. California has a 3.5 percent. Ohio has 4.3 percent. Alabama and Pennsylvania are both at five percent. So this is as of 2017. Just to preface that again. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's a. I don't know how accurate that is of a. Of an indicator of where football is going. What what do y'all think about this? Well, I mean, I have to go with you know just what I what I can recollect basically off the top of my head is like the influence that Texas has on the NFL right now appears to be greater than most other states. Just because I mean, like you said, I mean, I mean, maybe not right right now, but in the past 10 years slash like even looking ahead you mentioned kyler murray patrick mahomes baker mayfield and that adds on to the list that once included andrew luck as well as matt stafford drew Brees, like you mentioned is still in the nfl like there's a lot of there's a lot of arms coming out of texas you know and also running backs you mentioned adrian peterson which is probably the best running back we have ever grown up and watched you yeah. know, for as far as like beginning of career to end. Right. So just thinking about that, you know, there's also not like not somebody who was elite at any point, but Vince Young was also a huge name to come out of like U of T at least. So I, I just think that Texas is the first thing that comes to mind. And then also watching like Friday Night Tykes with you, Simon, like just seeing the seriousness that they take it with or the seriousness that comes with football even at the smallest level whether it's healthy or not 
<laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And Cody, I don't think you know this. I'm pretty sure you don't. They actually made a couple Friday Night Tyke seasons in Pennsylvania called Steel Country. Ooh. Wasn't good. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it flopped. Like, I'm, I mean, okay, I don't want to say it flopped. There are two solid seasons, but I I mean, I don't want to get like too like harsh on them because they're just kids. But they're still the same age. There's me like i'm biased and that's just me but when i was watching uh that pennsylvania version those two seasons there's definitely a significant talent drop from texas to pennsylvania like you're not gonna see a tadion lot or a mizel miller or whoever you know that you like in texas friday night tykes in the pennsylvania one and if you do then um i, mean, I don't know maybe it's because they're lucky one game and then they have this weird like slump next six or seven so that's that's just my opinion that's really harsh but i mean hey you gotta keep it real liam what, what are your thoughts on these numbers that simon's been throwing out and where do you think talent is coming from and will come from in the future i'm wondering where wyoming is man bro there's like five people that live in the whole state <laughs> i know that's a it's a joke um <laughs> Did you mention Colorado, where Colorado was on that? Uh, if they're on, on, on the list what? at all. He didn't scroll down far enough. Okay. Far Colorado's enough. below Texas. Texas was at 2.7%. Okay. Um, that's not very high. That's not very high, no. Like, surprisingly, not very high. Oh, oh you mean the percentage? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that oh, is? I agree. Why would I think it's so low? I mean, like I said, it was taken in 2017, and <laughs> here I don't want to look. I don't, I don't want to make too many of uh, my fellow Texans mad, but I'm not gonna lie. You know, 2017 wasn't the strongest <laughs> class of football players from Texas. Um, like it didn't have a Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or Patrick Mahomes in it. But I mean, you never know. There could still be somebody that comes out of it. I mean, they're probably your are people that will come out of it you know um so there's that i just i don't know it, it was probably just an off year california is still kind of low at 3.5 percent you know because basically what you're saying is that more d1 players are getting recruited out of the carolinas than california right. like i don't know about that Chief. <laughs> yeah so but like how many of those said, d1 players are going to uh to the nfl from the Carolinas. Oh, pro? Oh, yeah. you know, I'm glad uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a stat about the number of NFL players from, so high school origin-wise, but the number of NFL players from each state, which uh, I could uh, give to y'all real quick right now. So, and here, I'll, I'll go in reverse order. I was about to go one to five. All right. So, at, <laughs> <laughs> all right, at five... We have Ohio with 80 players. You know, not bad. Like I said, these are uh, players that played high school football, you know, in these states. At four, at 131, it is Georgia. At three, at 187, it is Texas. At <clears throat> at two, at 199, it is California. And then and last one with 229 players, Florida. That's a huge jump. That is a huge jump. Florida is actually leaving everyone in the dust. 
Oh, for sure. And I mean, honestly, there are some pretty big um, from state to state. The closest one is Texas to California. That's 12 players, which is one and, you know, a backup starting lineup. So there you go. But uh, That's yeah. interesting. I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, the state's economic issues and, and uh, whether or not they, you know, like a lot of kids feel like they have options as far as like whether or not they can play football or whether or not they have to play football you know what i mean like whether a wealthier state such as new york doesn't have as many kids in football going to school for that for different reasons like maybe they feel they can succeed in other areas well i i feel like it's specifically talking about new york new york is a basketball state right that's just that's kind that's of how the city is built you know, right. just because it's easier to put a basketball court somewhere than it is a 100-yard football field. Yeah, very true. Very true. And I think, you know, I'm not trying to bash... you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to bash on Ohio here or anything, but, like, there's plenty of room for 100-yard fields in Ohio. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> very like, true, very true. What, what else are you supposed to do other than play football? So I also think that just, like, you know maybe if options of doing other things has something to do with it well except that wouldn't make sense in florida but why wouldn't it make sense in florida because there's plenty of options of things to do in florida uh, in, in i mean california at that rate yeah but i i definitely think you know economic status class status definitely plays a role um in this like william was saying because there are definitely a ton of tougher Florida cities and um, hoods that require, well, maybe not require, but like if you're if you're an athlete in those areas, usually tend to play football and you know take aggression out on football and like, you know, and I feel like that's something that's always kind of been a thing in places like Florida and California where there are a ton of stuff to do, but you kind of have to have that money to do those things. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I, I think that another thing for like the future of football, you know, excluding like Georgia is well, even including Georgia is alumni has a lot to do with it. Right. Because I know Michael Irvin does a lot in the Florida, especially Miami community for football and for youth that are at risk to get involved with crime. You know, he does a lot to do like grants and stuff like that to get them into football camps then you know especially we already talked about it in texas a little bit how it starts so young with like friday night tikes and stuff like that and there's alumni that take great pride in that california we've talked about how many hall of famers they have and obviously they want more people to play football as well you know so i feel like and i think that that's another reason why ohio makes this list is because there's a ton of Ohio players, whether it was at the professional level for Cleveland or Cincinnati, whether it was at the professional level of Ohio high school alumni going somewhere else, or whether it was at the collegiate level of like Ohio State Buckeyes, you know, I feel like they have a strong connection to the youth in those communities. And that also has a lot to do with the output of professional football players. Yeah. Absolutely. Very fair. And I, I would say that maybe we're not even looking at the most obvious reason which is the fact that florida has three nfl teams california has four and texas has two i mean these are the most these are the most nfl saturated states 
in the nation other than uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. I mean, so, Ohio has two as well. And, so and Ohio, yeah, Cincy and Cleveland. Um, but, yeah, you know, just that, that level of NFL saturation, that level of uh, NFL idolization in those states and the the options that they have and the the uh the way that players are available to them nfl players are available to them on a on a level that isn't available in say illinois anymore even though they have the chicago bears or michigan even though they have the detroit lions you know i mean for sure i think that also guess it uh it's a reflection of the football culture you know i don't didn't say that did you i didn't know okay yeah so yeah it's the reflection of the football culture you know in each state because like they could afford to you know support these many teams just because you know the football culture is big in florida it's a big deal texas california you know so that's a reflection on how many teams are in uh you know how many teams are in each state for sure, and I, I guess it definitely plays a role with role models and stuff as well. So, I mean, is there anything else y'all wanted to add onto onto this? I don't think I have any more stats. I mean, we could go into past Heisman winners, but I feel like the Heisman isn't the best indication of where the. There, I was going to say there's, more, there's plenty of Heisman's that flame out in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can almost think of more Heisman's that didn't work out than Heisman's that did work out. I mean, uh, for sure. Shoot. Even Heisman candidates that didn't work out, you know. So, I mean, Johnny Manziel comes to mind immediately. Jameis Winston, Tim Tebow, like Jameis hasn't fully flamed out though, to be fair. Oh. Um, He's great. <laughs> He's not playing like a Heisman in the NFL. I mean, he had eye issues. Let's be let's be fair to Jameis, bro. Okay, is that really like a? Oh. I want I want to believe that after he got LASIK that he's gonna be elite, but like I'm not gonna claim that until it happens. I mean, we never we never know. You never know. I think weirder things have happened. I not, actually I don't know about that, but <laughs> stranger, stranger okay. things have happened. No, stranger things have not happened. <laughs> But I don't I don't really have anything else, honestly. Yeah, me neither. How about this? So with everything said, which state is the next up and coming prime football factory players? Whether it's NFL, college, whatever. Obviously Maryland. No, I'm just playing. Um I definitely think that's a phase. But I think that <laughs> I think that Florida is going to get respect as the as like the prime primary talent producer of the it, as far as like NFL starters go but I think that Georgia has a lot to offer just because I feel like that's kind of where the focus is in Georgia and you know between like like the Bulldogs don't want to be left behind all the time right so I think that they're going to produce more at the grassroots level in high schools and try and get them to stay in Georgia and play for the Bulldogs and in turn lead to more NFL talent. Fair enough. That's fair. Those are my two, two candidates. Uh, Liam? Um, I would say that uh, I would like to 
I would like to say uh, Alabama. Really? Yeah. Come. Um, I think they have. You know, they they obviously have one of the greatest uh, college football cultures in in the nation, um, and I think that if I don't know, it's it's a year to year thing, right? I know there's there's kind of a history of of Bama uh, college football players not being able to essentially put out in the in the NFL, right? Oh. But I think that could change any any year now. Okay. Maybe it's being mm-hmm. optimistic. Yeah. But uh, you well, never know. Sure. You never really know. Sure. I mean, Alabama could definitely be one of those teams to look out for. Or sorry, one of those states to, to look out for in the future. I mean, they definitely have uh, you know, some... Uh, I mean, I don't know. This is, the, this is the thing that comes to mind when it comes to Alabama is that like you know, some families like you know high rated prospect might move to alabama as their kids go to alabama i mean i, I don't know if that kind of feels like a little weird but i know Tua's family did that so technically right. his little brother talia tagovailoa is a alabama guy you know so i don't know yeah, it could sure. definitely happen yeah. all right um for me uh cody you already brought this up georgia Think that one is pretty obvious just because right now it's you know Deshaun Watson, he's from Georgia, Cam Newton as well are from Georgia. Those are the guys who are in the NFL who will further that legacy of just you know high school football, I guess, from Georgia and just having talent from there as well. And I mean, looking forward, you know, you have both Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence who are from Georgia in high school football in Georgia and. I don't know. I mean, that's pretty recent, you know, but those are both really those two players just being, you know, who they are and being successful in college football. Those are pretty good indica- indicators of where uh, you know, football is going and uh, where the talent is because Georgia has definitely been uh, producing some dudes for sure. Gosh, you yeah. bringing up Trevor Lawrence throws me for a loop because I remember you talking to me about him freshman year of college. Really? Yeah, like one of the first times we hung out, you were like, dude, watch this dude, Trevor Lawrence. And I was like, dang, he's pretty good. <laughs> now now yeah. we're college graduates and uh, he's younger than no. us, bro. I don't want to, like, you brought up, you turned over a stone that I didn't <laughs> want to turn over today. <laughs> well, if uh, that says anything, that says I could be a college scout. So, you know, they'll just hit me up. Knew about Trevor Lawrence three years before, but anyways, before he went to college. But anyways, um, I guess one more state that's kind of like, it's a state no one's going to seriously, you know, consider, but I might beg to differ, you know, it, let's say in the next 50 years, that's a pretty broad span, I would say. I would say Hawaii is definitely one of those states you might need to start looking out for. Because they got some dudes, you know, like I already said, in uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, Tua Tagovailoa as well. And, you know, they, moving forward, you know, there's still going to be guys like, uh, here's another name that I'll bring up. He's really young. He might not even be in high school yet, I don't think. If he is, then he's an underclassman. But uh, Titan Lakaden, it might be the other way around. That's his name. He's a quarterback, another quarterback that's going to go to St. Louis uh, High School, I'm pretty sure, in Honolulu. And he's going to be a big-time guy. And look, you know, we did talk about how 
NFL players they contribute back to their community. It's really not hard to see a Tua or a Marcus Mariota, like any of those two guys who are known to be upstanding guys to give back to their community and invest heavily into, you know, into high school, you know, middle school, football in general in Hawaii and make it a little bit more affordable for guys who have the talent but may not have the development to get them to the next level, you know? I was about to say, it, that's one thing that kind of bums me out about Jesse not being on here, is he has some guys on his board from Hawaii that he's, he's trying to recruit. So um, he can straight up vouch for the fact that, yes, um, that, that Hawaii is not only producing collegiate talent right now, but also would echo your sentiment, Simon, that they should be producing more NFL talent in the future. Absolutely. It's, it's just a matter of time. I think it's going to happen. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Because it's not like Hawaii hasn't had, you know, their share of dudes from there who have contributed to NFL teams. They they've definitely have. And there's, I mean, this is just another thing. There's a lot of, uh, of guys from California, you know, they have been born in Hawaii, but played high school football in California just because it's easier. All right, so does that wrap up this segment? Any last words on this? Come on, Colorado. Produce some more talent outside of Christian McCaffrey, bro. Outside of the McCaffreys in general. Outside yeah. of the McCaffreys, which... Uh, what about Austin Eckler? Yeah. I mean, shout out to Austin Eckler for, you know, being being local as far as our school goes yeah but. shout out to clays campbell too really maybe being yeah. one of the best uh best colorado nfl players ever yeah as of now or like to come to come out of colorado probably yeah you think clays campbell is better than christian mccaffrey Lace Campbell been doing it for a decade. Slow down. Yeah. On Chris, Christian McCaffrey's great. He only been around for what three years? Yeah. So okay, okay. Don't just don't disrespect Campbell like that. Just because he had to I'm play. Not disrespecting. Him. <laughs> just because he had to play for the Cardinals for a long time doesn't mean he he's not great. He just played in Arizona. Okay. <laughs> didn't he go to a Super Bowl with the? No, he didn't. Never mind. No, never mind. <laughs> oh well uh well you know um i i can't speak for colorado but it is what it is you know what i mean oh moving forward is it top five corners we're gonna do next yep all yep. time Ooh, okay all right so coming up next we got our top five cornerbacks of all time arguably one of the hardest positions to rank up next Welcome back to the Cycle 365. Our next uh, segment that we're going to be talking about is the top five cornerbacks of all time in the NFL. Um, I know that I'm going to personally be making everybody in the room mad. Hopefully I don't make the audience too mad, though. So let's start with Cody. Cody, you got any, uh, got any ideas about the top five? So I'm just going to list off my top five and then we'll go around and i'll list our top five in order yeah let's start do, at let's do top uh let's go 
five, four, three, two, one. Yep, sounds good. So at number five, I have uh, Mel Blunt from the Steelers. Number four, I have Champ Bailey. Number three, Charles Woodson. Number two, Deion Sanders. And number one, Dick Night Train Lane. Oh, wow. Okay. Liam, do you want to go next? Uh, let's let Simon go. Okay, real quick, Cody. I thought you were going from one to five, and I was about to be like, yo, hold up. <laughs> Mel no. at number five? Yeah, Deion at Sanders. number five. Or sorry, Deion Sanders at number five? Oh, yeah, because you thought I was one? going the other order. <laughs> Why did I look up NFL players' reception leaders and it gave me a list of quarterbacks with Jameis Winston at the top? Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure I got my things right. I'm pretty sure. Okay, here. I'm just going to go for it. You know, it is what it is. So let's get it. All right. So my list, my top five cornerbacks of all time. This was pretty hard, but I feel like corner is a really hard uh position to like evaluate sometimes because the stats don't always tell the truth i mean would y'all agree because it's not always interceptions for sure i mean there's more right important stats it. there's there's catches allowed you know there's, uh, right. there's yardage allowed per game no of course for sure uh, and a um, lot of old cornerbacks don't have those advanced stats like right. passer rating yes. against and stuff like that yes and that's kind of a problem Okay, I feel like that could be made, well, not made up, but like if people just watch a bunch of old games from back in the day and uh, figure that out, that could definitely be done. But nobody's done it yet, even with quarantine. So anyways, my list. <laughs> at number five, it's Mel Blunt. At number four, dang, I don't know. It was kind of tough. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of tough. But at number four, Night Train Lane. At number three, I had Charles Woodson. At number two, I had Rod Woodson. And at number one, it's Deion Sanders for me. All right. Very interesting. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Liam. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the harder, like we've been saying so many times, one, this is obviously one of the harder lists other than maybe quarterback. <laughs> you know, just because everybody's so biased about quarterbacks. But um, I'll just go into it, I guess. Um Jeez. All right, I got uh, number five, I got Darrell Rivas. Number four, Willie Brown. Number three, Champ Bailey. All right. Sorry, no, not not Champ Bailey at number three. Um, I got Mel Blunt at number three. Number two, I got uh, Champ Bailey. And then number one, I got Deion Sanders. Interesting. Yeah. See, wait, who'd you add at number two again? At number two, Champ Bailey. Right. Which, speaking of, Simon, you were the only one to leave Champ off the list. And uh, <laughs> as you've mentioned, you're, uh, you're you're not a Broncos fan, but um, we we got some history for you. It's not it's he's not here on bias alone. He's, he's actually the most decorated defensive back as far as Pro Bowls go with 12 okay. in his 15 years. So he, he has the most Pro Bowls. He was all decade for the 2000s NFL. You know, they just went through all, all the all decade teams. And he's number one in pass deflections all time. Pass deflections? Really? Yeah. A, 
also he has 52 interceptions to go with that too. So he didn't just knock the ball down. He could pick it off, but he's the all-time leader in pass deflections. All right. You've changed my mind. I'll put uh champ Bailey. Number one. Okay. What? Slow down. Whoa. You can't go putting champ Bailey ahead of prime time. <laughs> sure. I can, man. What do you mean? Sure. You can. Sure. I can. Prime, prime time is he has five more all pro appearances than Bailey does. Care. Uh, <laughs> look okay so <laughs> there's I'm a lot of a, disagreement here <laughs> no but like i'm not gonna get mad at y'all because i feel like jit arguments could be made for anybody you know on our on our list you know like i could definitely see champ bailey jumping up but it's my list i'm not a broncos fan so cry about it <laughs> look man sure, fair enough yeah, look, Deion Sanders, I feel like, has to be number one. It's because, well, okay, maybe he doesn't have to be, but, you know, he was that guy who you could put on anybody, and he could shut anybody down. And and um, so a lot of players, both past and present, have given him his respect and said, you know, like, hey, this is the dude. This is the guy who had no fear, who had all the swagger, who, you know, made it a culture playing cornerback, you could say even. I, I don't know about revolutionizing. I mean, I'm sure there are some ways he revolutionized it for sure. I personally, I'm not a cornerback and I've never played it and I've never come close really to playing it outside of maybe intramurals and that wasn't even great of an experience. <laughs> so like, I can't speak a ton on, uh, on corners because unfortunately corner was one of the few positions I did not play. One of the few positions I did not play next to like kicker and long snapper. So there you go. Um, so it's just me, but I feel like Dion has to be at least top two, top three. Am I See, wrong? I I had Dion at number two. Liam also has him in the top three. So yeah, I think it's two. undisputable that Dion Sanders is a top three cornerback of all time. I go put Night Train Lane ahead of because first off, he's top five in all-time interceptions with 68. And he played during an era where passing wasn't, it wasn't like a huge thing, you know? So for him to get that many interceptions on probably way lower attempts than any of these other cornerbacks that we're talking about is impressive. He still holds the record for most interceptions in a single season with 14, which was his rookie year, by the way. And also, Deion Sanders, for as great as he is and one of the best pass coverage, uh, one of the best in pass coverage, he did not play the run at all. Like, and he didn't really like tackle at the same level that Night Train did. Like, Night Train was a great pass defender, but he was also a feared hitter too right. from the cornerback I mean, position, which says something. Deion's pretty almost like universally recognized as not a great hitter. I mean, I, look, I can respect that. I could respect Night Train Lane being at number one. I mean, you know, we already talked about it, but he was one of the best corners to come out of Texas. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely an argument there. And look, I I, I tried to take, you know, um, what is it? Stopping the run in, into uh, my arguments here. But I, mean, I don't know, because as a corner, I feel like your number one, Priority is the cover, and 
like, okay, feel free to dispute me here. Like I said, I didn't play corner at all. But I feel like, you know, being a good run support guy is much easier than being a good cover guy. That's fair. I like longevity wise, longevity wise, and just in general. Well, well I'm gonna say, I'll say well, having having played corner, you know, like yes, your first job is to play the pass, but if there's like a toss play, you know, like that's your job to take care of that. If you're getting ran off the ball by a wide receiver because you're not looking at the whole field, then you immediately become the biggest liability on defense. So being able to play both is is in incredibly difficult. And that's why I have a dude like Charles Woodson up here as well as Champ Bailey's because they both played the run really well. And like, yes, prime time was a better, like, past defender than than those guys and was so good at it but i can't overall night train is you know i'd say the second best coverer of all time and the best run play cornerback of all time especially in an era where there were lots of sweeps towards him you know so like you you have to be able to play the whole field and that's part of the challenge too is like you can't just make eye contact with the wide receiver if you want to be a good cornerback That's yeah fair. yeah i mean that's fair i mean i don't know maybe it's just a difference of systems but like at least when i played it was always the outside linebacker or defensive ends responsibility to stop a toss so like, and you know if a corner's there to like you know like you know make a really good play and paying attention and jump it then cool you know and like stop it shorter and get a really good you know tackle for last and cool like that's good but i don't know maybe it, it was probably just a difference of schemes like it was always the outside guy like linebacker or dn's responsibility so at least well and i know that because i played both of those positions so yeah and i never really expected my corners to help but i mean that makes sense though like i, I totally get that for sure and i can't that's fair i just i don't know just as a cornerback i think it's definitely more of a responsibility to cover like tackling and stopping the run is always going to be important, you know, no matter what defensive position you play, but as a corner, you know, your prime, you know, objective is to stop the pass. You know, I think safeties definitely have more of a uh, contribution to tackles. I would even say than corners. So, I mean, it always depends on the scheme. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Liam, I have a question for you. Yeah, of course. Bring it on. Did you not have Charles Woodson on your list? I was the only one who didn't have Charles Woodson. Oh. Really? I think that... I think Charles Woodson is definitely top five. And I would say top five defensive back just in general. Like if we're considering safeties and cornerbacks, right? But it, we, we've talked about this and, you know, I think the... Uh, if we're going straight cornerbacks, that Charles Woodson has a flaw there. What if I told you that Charles Woodson only didn't play or only wasn't listed at cornerback for four years of his career, and it was the last four? That's fair. So I mean, he won. He, he was great. He won Defensive Player of the Year as a cornerback. He yeah. won Rookie of the Year as a cornerback. Mm -hmm. And eight of his nine Pro Bowls were as a cornerback. Okay including his Super Bowl win with the Packers. 
Okay, that's fine. Um, I still think Willie Brown is uh, more important. Willie Brown to have Willie Brown is on my honorable mentions. Simon, I don't know if he made your honorable mentions. Yeah, he was right outside the top five for me. Yeah, I. So Liam, go ahead, go ahead and uh, school us up on Willie Brown and why he's on your list instead of uh, Charles Woodson. Well, Willie Brown, first of all, three-time Super Bowl champion. So Charles Woodson's one-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, you know, Willie Brown winning three Super Bowls, all for the Raiders, I think. Yeah, all for the Raiders. Um, he was defensive captain, 10 out of 12 years. They didn't... The only issue with Willie Brown that I, I would give Charles Woodson a lot more credit over is that uh, they just didn't keep track of like tackle stats, right? Okay. But he had 54 interceptions uh, to Charles Woodson's 65, which is still fair, right? I just think that Willie Brown was more dominant in his time, personally. Like, as far as his era goes, I think he was more important to his era than Charles Woodson was. That's that's a great argument. And we've thrown around the word revolutionary on here. And Willie Brown was one of the first to actually stand in a crouched defensive back stance. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, Simon. Yeah. I did. Um, dang. Willie Brown was really close for me, so I, I don't even blame you for having him um, up here. I just felt like I needed to include Mel Blunt, Daryl Rivas, and uh, Dion, and Champ, obviously. Um, could, could we talk about Darrell Rivas real quick? Yeah, yeah. Simon, it sounds like you have something to say. What you got? Yeah, I just don't think he's up there. Really? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, maybe it's just recency bias and me just not liking the dude like, at all. But, um, <laughs> I just always kind of thought he was a little overrated to be honest but he i still give him his like he was still a great cover guy for sure now and he did help the patriots right they won that one super bowl with him i'm remembering that correctly. I, don't, I don't see how you can see him as overrated he just okay overrated compared to like all-time greats really yes <laughs> yes really Yes. I am going to have to actually back up Simon on this one. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> Darrell Rivas, don't get me wrong, for I want to say like four or five years, he was the best cornerback in the game, but he only has 29 total interceptions. And we're talking, nobody on my list has less than 50. Yeah. I mean, think of how many times they threw to him because he was the best cornerback. And, you know, when you're sitting on an island, how many times is the quarterback going to throw to you when their coach is saying, do not throw to the right side or the left side? You know what I mean? They said the same thing about Dion. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, at that point, <laughs> there were more, uh, like, cocky gunslinger quarterbacks who thought they could, you know, make it work against Dion. I mean, I don't know. I if you compare like, well, let, let's take a look at like their those cornerbacks. Well, well, just straight up Dion versus like Darrell Rivas, in my opinion. 
when they Rip. faced against the best receiver in the game, Revis lost to Moss way more than Sanders lost to Jerry Rice. So, you would say so? Yes. See, in 2009, he held Moss, Owens, Chad Johnson, and Reggie Wayne to no more than five catches or 40 yards. Do you not remember that one-handed touchdown that Randy Mouse caught on Darrell Yeah, Rivers? I remember. I remember. <laughs> 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 that never happened to Deion Sanders with Jerry Rice. True. True. And obviously Jerry Rice is, you know, the best wide receiver of all time. But um, I don't I know. I just think that. And, and another thing yeah, about I mean, there, That's why I like, have Deion above. Darrell Rivas. Darrell Rivas is my number five and Dion's number two, right? Well, and I think as far as like longevity goes, like Darrell Rivas wasn't as good for as long. Like Tampa Bay was a disaster. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then he had one good year with the Patriots before getting a huge contract from the Jets again to just be bad again. Yeah. Versus like some of these other guys like Mel Blount or I'll even say like one guy that just merrily, narrowly missed my list being Rod Woodson, as well as Daryl Green. Like, Rod Woodson played for 15 years and got all pro half of them, you know. Mm -hmm. And then Daryl Green played for 20 years. And a lot of these guys also, these cornerbacks, contributed on special teams, you know. Like, I know that we're not talking best players of all time, but versatility is something to consider and Darrell Rivas was stuck you know on one side of the field yeah I mean he was a he was a zone zone corner who just shut down the entire side of the field but there's something to be said about that right I mean I obviously we all we all probably would agree that man corners are that man schemes are, are harder or maybe not harder but more complex on the uh, on the player Right. But I'd... to truly be able to shut down, to be like a true shut down zone corner is extremely difficult. And Cody, what what do you have to say about that? Because I feel like and is pretty like it, you just go man to man, you know, and usually it's just whether you got the right athleticism or technique, you know, so what do you think about that? Zone is way easier to play because, you know, you, you, you get back to your zone and, and you play that and you play what comes your way, right? Like you, there's less room for mistakes when you're playing man, because if, if you fall for one double move or one head nod or one pump fake, that could be a touchdown, you know, versus zone is a bit more, I'd say conservative especially from like a player standpoint, like you have a bit more freedom and you, you have more room for mistakes too. So like, you know, playing zone, you can afford like, okay, they kind of beat me off the line, but if they, if they stop now for a curl, like that's fine, you know, that's okay. But you know, and man, it's like okay, if they if they catch this curl, and then they get away, I don't have any help. If that makes sense, for sure. 
So like, and then, you know, obviously running across the field can make things way harder too, like post routes and stuff like that. Th those are a nightmare to cover because, well, okay, they're coming 10 yards at you and then they're going 10 to 15 yards across the field, including like the length of the field too, versus, you know, like there's less energy consumed playing zone as well. It, in my personal experience slash opinion. I won't deny that Revis was the best cornerback in the NFL for a few years, but I don't think that he's an all-time kind of guy. Not not top five. I'd say top ten maybe, but not top five. Fair enough, and that's you know that is uh, one of the one of the issues with Darrell Revis in his in his legacy is he didn't. He's thirty four, you know, and he didn't play that long ultimately and he doesn't have the longevity that other people have true oh. so were, were there any players that you haven't heard mentioned or had on your list that you want to talk more about we i mean we mentioned rod woodson recently i feel like he's a top three corner for sure though right see i was looking into it and he only played corner like like his career is basically split entirely in half as far as where he was listed position wise. Okay. Oh, so was that a knock on him because because of that or? Yeah, I think that him switching to safety kind of ballooned his interception stat. So, you know, because I, I mean, you read it 71 interceptions, you're like, wow, that's that's really high all time, but it wasn't like night train lane where, or prime time or champ Bailey or Mel Blunt, where those interceptions were at the cornerback position primarily. That's, that's how I see it. I don't know. Uh, Liam, what are your thoughts on Rod Woodson? I think, uh, I, I feel pretty similarly. I think, um, it's, it's kind of hard to, I mean, if we take that eight-year period, right, we could we could base it off of that eight-year period, but I don't think we can base it off of the entire career that he's had, right? I don't think we can say he's a top-five cornerback and include all of his safety stats. See, Rod Woodson, I think, is just like a sad casualty of us doing a top-five safeties and a top-five cornerbacks because he's a top-five... This is going to sound silly, but he's a top-five defensive back of all time but not a top five safety or a top five corner, if that makes right. sense. Talking about like specializing. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess so. Like he still has 47 interceptions at the cornerback spot though, out of 71. And that's still the majority. So like, and you know, and he was a big part of those Pittsburgh uh, teams back in the day as well. So, you know, I have a soft spot for him. So yeah. I just, I, I feel like he should definitely be up there. It sucks, you know, because we did split it up the way we did. So, you know, it is what it is. But I, 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 I mean, don't know. I feel like I have to put him up here because if he's not on the safety list at all, then oh, then he has to be somewhere here. That's fair. I mean, he never led the league in interceptions as a cornerback. He never won a Super Bowl as a cornerback. You know what I mean? So there, those are those are marks against his cornerback legacy. I would say that 
because you have to, in my opinion, take those as separate legacies as, you know, cornerback, safety, and then a, a greater defensive back look at it. He is an honorable mention for me, though, and I didn't forget for sure. about him. Yeah, definite, definite honorable. I have like five honorable mentions. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he was also playing in the same era as Deion Sanders as well. Yeah, which yeah. probably overshadows him just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe a little underrated. Just go throw that out there, but all right. What are um, some honorable mentions you had, Liam? Um, Akib Talib. Honorable mention. Uh, he okay. currently has, I think he's tied for second or third with the most defensive touchdowns of all time. Yeah, he has nine, I think. Pick, six, pick sixes. Um, so, you know, maybe... And I mean, he's well known as a at, when in his prime, he was well known as a shutdown corner, um, shutdown man corner. So you know, very honorable mention. I think he will probably make it into the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's ever had specifically the uh, the the dominance, and I don't think he'll have the the longevity to be called one of the best of all time. But I would definitely put him maybe top ten, maybe top fifteen. Um, another honorable mention for me would be Richard Sherman. I think that just goes without saying. It's pretty obvious. Um, he's just gonna he's gonna keep going. He's gonna have the longevity. He'll be a uh, maybe not a first round Hall of Famer or first ballot Hall of Famer, but certainly could be. And uh, obviously has I think the career to say that he's top ten, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys think about those two? Richard Sherman is definitely up there for me. Simon, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I was actually going to say that I definitely feel like Richard Sherman should be a ballot Hall of Famer when he's out because, you know, he has a Super Bowl ring. Still has time to get another one. He's been to three Super Bowls, so there you go. He's headed up really good defenses and whatnot. And, like, everyone wants to bash on him because he doesn't play man and whatnot. And sure, you know, like, that's, that's something to bash him on, but... I mean, Richard Sherman could definitely be considered one of the best zone corners of all time. If maybe oh, not sure. the best, but, you know, uh, I'm just putting that out there. So, yeah, I think Richard Sherman, there's no doubt there. I don't know if this is controversial, but I'd take Sherman over Revis. Really? Interesting. I might actually do that as well, but that's just because I don't like Darrell Revis. So. Well, I don't, I don't like Sherman. <laughs> yeah, so we it was actually Sherman. hard for me to say that, Simon. Okay, well, this is, I'm this so saying, yeah, bro. Well, like, I just like Sherman better than Darrell Revis. You got to have a little bit of attitude to you, and I, I just think Sherman has more swagger than Darrell Revis. Well, I don't know about swagger, I me, think attitude, maybe. <laughs> okay, but also Richard Sherman's way smarter than Darrell Revis as well. You know, he does, he, he does have attitude, but if you look at some of the quotes he puts out, it's very educated. He was a guy who graduated from Stanford. He's someone who's extremely smart and he's well put together when he does talk about, you know, serious topics. Of course. He also has... he... Go, ahead. go ahead. You go ahead, Liam. Okay. Yeah. He's a, he's a very, he's very educated, very um, well-spoken guy, especially when he's like in a, in a calm state of mind. Yeah. Especially. Um, oh, I just, I just hate him. <laughs> Why? Simon, you, didn't, man. you didn't live what we lived through, okay? Yeah. You've seen the Steelers lose a Super Bowl, but not 
Not the way we saw the Broncos lose a Super Bowl. Have you ever oh. left a Super Bowl at halftime, Simon? Or should I say after the kickoff of halftime? <laughs> the Super Simon. Bowl party is what I mean. Yeah, I have. Have you ever ironically worn... that Super Bowl? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so you get it. So yeah, you get you... it. What do you mean, do I get it? I was happy. I made the right choice. I picked the Seahawks that game. Now, just imagine that's the Steelers and you hate your life and you'll never you'll never uh, love a cornerback named Richard Sherman ever again. Oh, thing is, that'll never happen to the Steelers. And then, and then afterwards, he says, I think the real Super Bowl was the NFC Championship. And you want to be mad mm. at him, but he was also right. But also, yeah. he let... Demarius Thomas catch for like 108 yards and a touchdown on him. We got him there. We got him there. So it's like, I, you know, how can you say that you shut us down when DT caught for over 100 yards and actually did something? And like, when did he catches. catch those yards though? In the Super Bowl. No, I, I mean, <laughs> when, when in the Super Bowl? <laughs> First half or second half? Because those are big differences. I think it split up pretty well, actually. I think DT was the only person who could get anything going. DT was actually the only okay. person in Denver who who did a single thing the entire game. Yeah. But, and also, right. Sherman has more career picks than Darrell Revis and is still looking like he's, I mean, he's playing pretty longer. well. He's played longer than Darrell Revis, to be fair. I mean, we, Simon and I have already expressed that longevity means something to us. Yeah, like pr probably by the time that Richard Sherman uh, retires, I'll probably have him in my top five. As like he's to only he's only thirty two. Yeah, exactly. So by the t okay, then I would I would be willing to put Sherman in my top five actually. Um, Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I would I would replace well, him with Darrell Revis because I'm thinking about it and I go, you know, if we're taking into consideration the fact that Sherman is still going to be playing, maybe even for like four more years, who knows at this point? Um, don't go saying stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, hopefully he never wins another Super Bowl again. But at that point, four more years, I could see him being a top five. And Jimmy G, we trust, baby. <laughs> Uh, I think Sherman's going to have a solid career as a safety whenever that comes around to put that out there. For sure, for sure. And, I mean, that is a fallback for a lot of good cornerbacks. It's a fallback to safety. And once you slow down and start, you know, once your mind goes. Once your mind goes? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Does Hold he on. Liam? <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, uh, Simon, do you have some honorable mentions that you think should be talked about more? Or I don't think so. I feel like y'all already mentioned them. A lot of my honorable honorable mentions were guys that y'all had on y'all's teams. Sorry, on y'all's uh, list. So like Champ Bailey for sure. Um, I mean, I guess you could throw in, you know, Darrell Reeves, Richard Sherman, if you really want to. Willie Brown was one who was right. He just got edged out just barely, you know. I, I wrestled with that one a lot, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any more. Do you, Cody? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a little sad that no one else talked about Daryl yeah, Green. Oh, Daryl Green. Oh, yeah, that's that's what it was. Okay, yeah, Daryl Green as well, another Texas kid. Yeah, Daryl Green, think, very good. 
Yeah, I think the reason I didn't bring him up is just because I don't know. I mean, like he did a lot of things. Like he was always known as a speedy guy, but maybe that overshadowed some of his uh, accomplishments. I would say, you no. Know? You know that's a really good corner. He has 52 interceptions, right? Like, and Rod Woodson has 47 as a, a corner alone. Yeah, and I just said 54. <laughs> what? I just said 54. That's still the plus 50 club. <laughs> I know. That's good. I'm not saying it's bad. And then, you know, I I also he also won two Super Bowl rings for the Washington football team. And I forgot he played for a long time too. Like, like in his age 40 season, he had three interceptions. That's insane. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, actually, I know for sure. Agreed. He, okay. He was right outside the top five. I feel like I've said that about a lot of players, but he really was though. Oh, so. <laughs> okay. Simon. <laughs> well, he was like, I mean, Oh, no actually i would probably still put uh i said champ bailey i would put champ bailey up there closer to the list than daryl green but well um, i also have champ bailey over daryl green so yeah i got champ bailey over everybody yeah i know <laughs> it's just it's with champ bailey it's really hard for me to forget the baltimore game liam i mean what cornerback Ever got traded for a running back who ran for 1,500 yards in both of his first two seasons and got traded in his third season for a cornerback, and then that was considered a steal of a trade. I mean, scheme has a lot to do with that for me, just because like Mike Shanahan knew that he could turn any running back into a thousand yard rusher. So like, you yeah, know, and then it, what were what were Clinton Portis's yardage? What was Clinton Portis's yardage in his first two years after being traded to Denver? Thirteen hundred fifteen yards, fifteen hundred sixteen yards. Clinton Portis was retired way before Bailey was. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not trying to make the argument of like, I'm not trying to make that argument, but it's like if you, I don't know. There is certainly like a level of like story-like craziness to Champ Bailey's career. Yeah. The only mark against Champ Bailey's career is the fact that he doesn't have a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. He still balled out in the playoffs for us, though. Well, like I said, except for Torrey uh -huh. Smith, bro. That wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, you know, when you get old, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens in, at the worst time. Yeah, exactly. Like the absolute worst time ever. <clears throat> But I still think as far as like leaving leaving behind almost a spotless record as far as personal character and almost leaving behind a spotless record as far as personal play, I think Champ Bailey is, is top. Yeah, I agree. Fair Just enough. not was, in my top five. He yeah, was quiet. Yeah, I mean, he's like, a silent killer, man. Name your kid Champ. Bro, don't talk about a top five cornerback like that. What do you mean? <laughs> what would you name your kid name. Champ? Uh, come would. on. I mean, I might name my dog Champ, but like, or like give my 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 uh, my son's middle name Champ. 
I might do something like that, but I, I probably wouldn't name my son's first name Champ. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not even going to cap with you on that one. Okay, well, there you go. But hey, that's the future <laughs> Hall of Famer you're talking about. There ain't no disrespect. That isn't his name! What? His name is Roland! Okay, so it's not even that much of a... Come on, bruh. I wasn't disrespecting Champ Bailey like that. Why is his name Roland? Maybe it's because Champ Roland. sounds cooler. I mean, Champ Bailey is a pretty dope Roland. football name, no cap. Yeah, Roland Champ. That's pretty cool. Really? Hughes? Sorry. <laughs> 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 uh, but I don't I don't have anything else to say on this cornerback debate. Do you guys? Uh, one, though. Does anybody have uh, Chris Harris Jr. up there? As a Broncos no. guy? No. No. Cody? No. <laughs> oh, there's there's so many good cornerbacks. And, yeah, but I we'll mean, get, as we'll far give Chris as... a couple more years, you know what I mean. He could he could easily be in there if he if he goes to I can't remember what team he went to, but uh, with the new team, if he has. Well, here's here's what's gonna happen. The Chargers okay. they're gonna play like one game. Chris Harris is gonna be like, "Wow, we got killed seventy to zero. I'm gonna demand a trade," and then they're gonna trade him somewhere, and then he's gonna do better. <laughs> Are you sure he's not going to retire at halftime? He's not going to be like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, who was That's that? A real go. Who was that? Monte Davis. Monte Davis, yeah. number one cornerback of all time, because he said <laughs> this team sucks, and he just left at halftime. He's like, oh. hey, I'm going to go, and the team's <laughs> like, what? And he's like, see ya. <laughs> Got that real Irish goodbye. Facts. <laughs> Say Davis is the GOAT. You heard it here first. That might be the title name of this. Uh, <laughs> hey, Davis, best cornerback of all time. Yeah, we'll make it. But, uh, we'll see. All right, so is that it? Did we have anything else you want to mention on this topic? Nope. I haven't got anything else. All right. That's good. So coming up next, we have another segment of Good Take, Bad Take. Uh, this one will be interesting. Sure. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Cycle 365, episode 39, recorded on June 29th. As Simon said earlier, happy Independence Day. And we got another good take, bad take for you guys. And there's some internal debate about whether this is a good take or a bad take. Here's the take. Yeah, we'll talk about college football later, but I was looking this morning at the quarterbacks that are going to be in this year's draft, and it's stacked. Oh yeah. It is stacked. <laughs> you have Jalen Hurts, Jake Fromm, Tua, and then this guy from LSU, like Oh Burrow? Burrow, he's gonna yeah, he's, he's gonna play in the he's NFL. Lights out yeah. since U of T. He's a right, Simon. Yeah, hey, what about the boy Sam Ellinger though? He played great against the top five defense of the nation in LSU. I, I don't think he, he we shouldn't bring up Sam Ellinger with these other guys in Whoa. The class. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? You don't. You weren't impressed at all that he threw for over 300 yards. No, no, no. He, he did a great job. I, think I just he, don't think he's an NFL. He will. St- I think he'll still get drafted. I think he'll get yeah. drafted in the second tier quarterbacks. The these ones that we just talked about. But he'll still make it in the NFL. I don't know if he'll start, but like, I don't think he should start right away. But he's a good. You know, I, think he's, he's, I just player. say don't put his name with 
to a frog and hurts and hurts. That's the take. Bruh. Simon bringing up, first off, <coughs> a, a little bit of a bad take, but we'll get to that one later about Jake Fromm because episode five is titled Jake Fromm is for real. But anyways, <laughs> um, Simon, let, let's let's hear you. We'll give you a chance to defend yourself. That's why we haven't chosen any Je of Jesse's takes is because he's not here to defend himself. Why do you think Sam Ellinger can be in the same in the same conversation as Joe Burrow? Uh, here's the thing about Joe Burrow, and this is an argument that could be made about almost any other college quarterback that has went to the NFL or will play in the NFL someday. Joe Burrow had a lot of talent on that LSU team because I forgot about this, but I did bring up that LSU had a top defense that Sam Ellinger kind of ripped up. You know, he played a really good game and I rewatched that game and that game was really close. It came down to an onside kick that in my opinion, Texas should have got, but they said that he didn't have possession, which is, uh, I don't even know about that. Because I know if Ellinger had the opportunity to drive down the field with, what was it like? Uh, I don't know. He had like at least 30 seconds left, only 40 yards to go. I want to say I'll say they're only down a, by a touchdown or a field goal. One of those things. I feel like he could have beat LSU and this conversation would be much different. Because that was one of the top college games of, of that season. And honestly, one of the better ones of uh, the last couple of years. And so... Here, I'm going to go back to what I was saying about Joe Burrow. He had a lot of talent, and I did talk about that top defense, and this is the same top defense that you know has a ton of guys who stayed as well. So there you go. But they also sent first-rounders to the NFL like uh, Caleb Von Chasen, Patrick Queen, sorry, Christian Fulton as well, Jacob Phillips, Rashad Lawrence, and yeah. Oh, sorry, and Grant Delpit. And I'm pretty sure three of those guys, sorry, two of those guys were first-round guys, and then two more were second-round guys. That's kind of insane for a college football team. That's pretty good, you know, for Sam Ellinger. And, and so against LSU, Sam Ellinger had over, well, okay, he had 401 passing yards, four touchdowns, along with 60 rushing yards and a touchdown. Oh, he was also sacked five times as well. So there you go. And, you know, he still played really well against a top LSU team that not many other quarterbacks played well against. I'm sorry, Cody. I hate bringing this up, but I have to. Jalen Hurts didn't exactly light up the board against LSU. And look, I know a lot of people will bring up the whole, well, LSU, you know, they they were, they played multiple games and they had all that momentum. But I still feel like if Texas was to play LSU 10 games into the season, you know, it would it would be the same argument like, well, you know, they didn't play LSU while they're in the playoffs. It was different. But the thing was, you know, football is still football. You know, the talent's still there. It does, it's not like it regressed. <clears throat> like I get momentum's everything, but it wasn't like this was the first game of the season. I'm pretty sure each team played at least one or two games before, which is honestly enough, you know, before going into the season and playing a top, a top ranked team. And, you know, uh, there are multiple other quarterbacks who, LSU defense kind of, you know, ravaged and didn't, I guess, give them the same. How should I say this? Uh, like, just, they just shut down multiple quarterbacks that were really good, you know, as like, as well as, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. They did, you know, 
challenge Trevor Lawrence significantly. They did challenge Tua, who, by the way, lost that game versus LSU. And I'm pretty sure LSU was playing Alabama in Alabama. So there you go. And, you know, that's, I don't know. I feel like that's something that shouldn't be overlooked. As well as Joe Burrow did have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, including, you know, these two first-round picks and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Justin Jefferson. And then as well as having two linemen and Damian Lewis, Lord Cushenberry taken. Oh, Sadiq Charles as well. I'm pretty sure those three guys were taken in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. And then tight end Steven Sullivan and, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Moss. Moss. What's his first name? Landon, isn't oh. it? Landon? Either way, it doesn't matter. Moss, you know, who was arguably a better tight end than Steven Sullivan. All of them are in the NFL. And so, in total, LSU had a... Thaddeus, my bad. Thaddeus Moss, there you go. Yes, so Thaddeus Moss played out of his mind in the playoffs. It's a big place against Texas. So, in total, LSU had 14 players selected in this past year's draft. And that's not even including, you know, players who were underclassmen or who didn't enter the draft this year, like a Jamar Chase, like a Derek Stingley, both guys who are expected to be first-round guys in the future, you know, who could probably have been first-round guys this year, if I'm being honest as well. Um, as well as, uh, I think, Terrence Davis, I want to say as well. He's another wide receiver for them. So LSU was stacked. But the thing was that Sam, Sam Ellinger still went toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow, and it basically came down to this Texas defense just not being a good enough. You know, and I brought this up in that episode, but they had multiple players who were out, at least five or six, who were out with injuries. And the ones who were there, like the starters who were coming off of an in- off of an injury they were obviously being rushed like star safety bj foster uh you could throw in Kanan stearns in there as well you know and honestly like that this texas defense wasn't gonna stop lsu no matter you know even if they were at full strength if i'm being honest but the fact that you know joe burrow did what he did against a you know, a depleted Texas defense. And then Sam Ellinger did what he did against a fantastic, you know, LSU defense. I feel like says a lot. So yeah, um, here, I'll leave it at that so that you, Cody and Liam have uh, something to reply to. So go ahead. Liam, what are your, what are your thoughts from, I guess, like uh, an outside perspective, seeing as that you didn't know who Sam Ellinger was until, until now. Started this conversation. <laughs> Um, well, just looking at his stats, he, um, in 2018, you know, very much so competed with everybody else. Um, let's see. I mean, 2018, he had 41 touchdowns to Joe Burrow's 21. Uh, obviously Joe Burrow in 2019 had 66, right? Which is just insane. And then Sam Ellinger only had, uh, oh, 32. I think was his passing totals. Yeah, he had 42 total um, that year. 32, or I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. 39 total. Uh, 32 passing, 7 rushing. Um, so he's he's becoming a better passer, potentially. And he's relying less on rushing, even though he's got more yardage with the same number of attempts, so he's getting better at rushing. That could just be a, uh, a byproduct of a better offensive line, right? Um, which is probably what that is, honestly. Um, but he seems to be competing 
and I don't know. I don't know. The issue is that I don't see the Longhorns as being that much inferior to LSU, personally. Really? <clears throat> really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously LSU is better, right? But I don't see the Longhorns as being like miles worse, right? So for Joe Burrow to be doing what he did is insanity, first of all. And um, I think Sam Ellinger, if he was better or if he was on a similar level, granted he's younger, right? So there's there's always something to be said there. Um, should be able to compete. But I, just, I don't think he but, did in the same way. For, for me, something that I look at, you know, from like, from... I guess like a team leader standpoint, you know, because Sam Ellinger is the face of the University of Texas, in my opinion. I think that he is the best player on that roster. But I also think that Joe Burrow was the best player on his roster. I don't think that many guys go that high if Joe Burrow doesn't throw over 60 touchdown passes and wins a national championship in such dominant fashion. Something I want to bring up about the LSU Texas game was it was week two. Right. So, Simon, you, you, you brought that up that, like, you know, it was earlier in the season, but week two is very soon. And then you, you kind of see the role that LSU gets on. And the only close, close game that they had after that was Auburn, who they beat by three. That was their closest game of the season. Right. And that was that was way later. But, you know, you talked about how Jalen Hurts didn't do too well. But OU scored more points than Clemson did. In granted, there is a wider, you know, victory of mar margin of victory for those two teams. But LSU skyrocketed from I'm not even sure what they were ranked to start the season. But they ended the season at number one versus Texas, where in that week two game, they were ranked ninth and they finished 33rd in the country by the end. You know, we talk about the, these other guys that were mentioned, you know, Jalen Hurts played in playoffs for, for college football in both of his, for both of the teams that he played for. Tua won a national championship. Even at this time, Jake Fromm competed in a national championship. You know, Joe Burrow competed in a national championship. But Sam Ellinger hasn't even been able to get out of the Big 12, much less into the playoffs. That's fair. But like I said, I definitely think Texas has a much inferior team. Look, thing about Sam Ellinger, he hasn't had a receiver selected higher than the fourth round. I, I could even push that back more. Maybe higher than the fifth round at all in his whole career. You know? And that includes, you know, the likes of Devin Duvernay, like I brought up, Alan Johnson. I mean, I don't even think the years before that he even had a receiver taken. You know, like, here's the thing, like, <clears throat> Tom Herman, I believe he's a good coach. I think, you know, this next season will be a big one, assuming the season actually happens. Uh, the talent that's there, because Texas has to compete with a lot of people, not even in the country, just in the state alone. Like, the biggest threat is from inside the state. And then I could throw in Oklahoma and LSU as well, because they're literally right there. And so it's tough to bring in some really good recruits, you know, and... I just don't think the Texas roster is that good. Keontae Ingram ran for 800 yards, basically. 
that uh, that's a, that season, and he was the leading rusher for uh, Texas Longhorns. And then you know you look over at LSU, Clyde Edwards Hilaire most definitely had more than 800 yards at over a thousand. Doesn't even include receiving yards that he had there as well. So, it, like, look, no disrespect, Joe Burrow, he's good, but he definitely had dudes that helped him out. You know, like there were plays that Joe Burrow would make excellent throws, would throw a guy open, and they'd make a play. There are also plays where Joe Burrow would throw a dump off or maybe just kind of throw it up there, and his guys would go ahead and make a play either way. And so by the end of the season, I'll admit this, the chemistry for LSU was insane. But early on in the season, it wasn't like it was nothing at all because they're still a football team. They're still there. It's just the chemistry wasn't as insane, I would say. Also, it was in Austin, so there you go. Uh, like I said, you know, I still believe that this Texas team isn't that good. I'm pretty sure they didn't send any linemen to the NFL the last two years. They haven't sent a running back to the NFL since probably Malcolm Brown, who's a career backup for the Rams and, well, right now the Saints. And that was was probably before Ellinger. That was maybe three or four years ago. And so, and then, you know, they haven't really sent that many defensive players to the NFL as well. And look, I, I just, this is just my belief that Oklahoma has simply recruited better. Oh, Tom Herman, he didn't, he didn't inherit a great team like Lincoln Riley did. And that's just facts. You know, Lincoln Riley got three, two, sorry. Okay. He got two Heisman winners and then he got, because of that, he got one guy to transfer who was a Heisman contender. And he's consistently had receivers who were years better than anything Texas has put out. I'm, and that hurts for me to say, Cody, because you know I'm a Texas fan. But I'm sorry, but C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown, I could even throw in uh, Sterling Shepard. Those are all better than any of the wide receivers Texas has put out possibly in the last 10 years. I could even go back further, maybe in the last 15 years. Oh. So, I'm just saying, you know, Texas hasn't had a lot of luck recruiting well. And the fact that Ellinger can consistently get better, you know, it's not like he had an insane jump like Joe Burrow. Like he's shown that he could be a consistent force, be a leader, make it happen, even when there's not really much to happen there. It says a lot in my opinion. I think maybe y'all might be, I guess, rating Texas team a little bit better than they should be. I just... I just don't think highly of a lot of those Texas players. Oh, and like, sure, there were guys who came out. I just don't think that any of those players are, are on the same level as, you know, the players that came out of LSU. And I think that's also, you know, a testament to the SEC as well. You know, the SEC is a, you know, a pretty, a pretty tough conference that will always attract some of the best of the best in the country. That's my belief. And I think, you know, the fact that LSU overcame a lot, isn't just on Joe Burrow, but it's on the entire team as well because they had to beat a lot of teams and they were a pretty historical team to do that because they were playing against some really good teams. And so don't do that just having one good player you know, going up against a ton of other teams because I'm just being honest, like there's a reason why Sam Ellinger is capped at where he is because you're, he doesn't have a guy like a Jerry Judy you know, or um, more comparable like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or even a Thaddeus Moss, if I'm being honest. I I definitely agree with you that the LSU team is really talented. It's just really hard for me to think that Sam Ellinger is on a similar playing field as Joe Burrow, who, I mean, we talked about it on the show after the season was over that he, like, LSU had the best 
season of any college football team that we'd ever seen, right? And Joe Burrow, in turn, had the best season of any college quarterback that we had ever seen. Like, they they didn't just beat records, they shattered records everywhere they went. And, you know, even being an Oklahoma fan, like, yeah, Jalen Hurts was, I'm pretty sure he was actually the runner-up for the Heisman, and he did a lot of heavy lifting on our team, too. Like, he did a lot of running and, you know, he he was the reason that we won a lot of games that we did, you know, especially when it comes to like that Baylor game that we had to come back in. But Joe Burrow is just on a level beyond even Jalen Hurts or, you know, we didn't mention on the episode, but Justin Fields and like he's just a different tier, I'd say. So that's why it's hard for me to put Sam Ellinger in the same breath as him. Just as it's kind of hard for me to, you know, and and like I said, a lot of it came down to just like record and just like, like you, you said, the SEC is tough, but I'd say that Texas had a decent chance at winning the Big 12 this year. I mean, none of us saw Baylor coming, you know, and competing for it. And then, you know, OSU has, they had Chuba there, you know, which makes it a bit harder to compete, but it's definitely an easier conference to win. So I think that Texas, despite its shortcomings, as far as like transfer to the pro level goes, still had a chance to compete even within its own conference. Yes, but that's because the Texas team was definitely significantly inferior though, to a lot of those SEC teams. Like, look, I know the big 12 isn't the best, but I mean, they still got some dudes there that you got to worry about. You know what I mean? Like, another thing is that Texas definitely struggled with a lot of injuries. Like, I'm almost positive the only person that wasn't injured at least one game this season on the Texas roster was Sam Ellinger. Everyone else was out at least one or two games. And that That's tough to work with, you know? Like, if we're talking stat-wise and even just win percentage and winning games, like, it's hard to win a game when you don't have your whole team there, when you're losing a third of your squad to injuries, like, almost every week, you know? And so, I I mean, like, I get it. You know, it's hard to see Joe Burrow, or sorry, Sam Ellinger as being the same conversation as Joe Burrow right now. Uh, At the same time, you know, it wasn't like Joe Burrow had a very know um progressive progression i would say it was very like all right you know like he had pretty mediocre seasons and then he just skyrocketed it out of nowhere you know and i i feel like you know like hey congrats him he put in the work he did great at the same time that talent was probably already there there's talent there that people were already talking about you know like a grand telpit like on defense specifically like a grand telpit um caleb von chasen What's the other corner's name? I always forget what is. It's not Greedy Williams. Uh, sorry, Christian Fulton. Even Patrick Queen as well. well. Those are guys that, for the season, a lot of people kind of held in high regard. As is, I can't say the same thing about Texas. You know, and I just think comparatively, it's hard to compare the Big Twelve to the SEC. I get it though. It's why Joe Burrow is great because he dominated in the toughest conference. But when it comes to straight talent. Like just straight, you know, as a player, I feel like Sam Ellinger could definitely be in that same conversation as a Joe Burrow. 
know, it's just it's sad because he chose to play in the Big 12. He chose to play for his dream school for Texas. That's just how it rolls, and that's what he wanted to do. And I respect that. You know, but if he was to go into the SEC, play for maybe even an Auburn or a Georgia, I could definitely see him putting up better numbers than, um, I wouldn't say Joe Burrow, but some of the quarterbacks that are already there possibly beating Joe Burrow with some of those teams that are much more talented than uh in these Texas Longhorns teams. You know, so so I get it. You know, Joe Burrow, no disrespect. Like I said, he's he broke records, he shattered records, he did great, but he didn't do that by himself. There's a reason that these guys were still drafted pretty high. Like of course Joe Burrow helped, but it's hard to say that these guys wouldn't have been drafted anyways. Where do you see Ellinger going this year? And what does he have to do to, you know, I guess take that next step, take that Joe Burrow step to be in the same, like what, first off, what does Ellinger and Texas have to do to win the big 12? I think is where the first comparison goes. And then what does he have to do to even be like a first round guy? Cause I don't see him as right now. I don't see him as a first round talent quarterback and i think you would probably agree with me on that right um no i would see him as a first round yeah i think they just need to play the season i'm just being honest like they just gotta play the season that's their biggest threat right now it's not any of the other teams like i i mean this with no disrespect to oklahoma tcu oklahoma state whatever but they just gotta play the season you'll see i think that's that's even that's a lot to ask i feel because i mean we've already talked about it i think honestly if they play this season they dominate the big 12 and they win it and that was sam ellinger his stats it will, it will show for himself because i think you know this year especially he's finally going to get some dudes who could play like keontae ingram he was somebody that a lot of people had faith in after three years since starting as a true freshman maybe not as much anymore but they did finesse the number one running back in the country in Bajan Robinson. And he's somebody who's expected to start as a freshman, potentially over Ingram. Even with the whole COVID thing going on, it's widely considered that he's a much better running back and player in general than uh, Keontae Ingram. Who, by the way, dropped the, wide open, the most wide open pass you'll ever see in your life in that LSU game. That probably would have won the game for them later on. So just throwing that out there. And I just honestly think that Ellinger, I mean, the stats speak for themselves. You know, these last couple years, he's gotten better pretty much every game as a passer. And even this last year, like, he's gotten better as a passer. And, right? Yeah, he's gotten better as a passer. And he had a, I'm going to say a terrible roster, but he had an he had barely a roster to work with. So um, the fact that he had to work with guys that were in and out, in and out every other game, and you really didn't know who you were, who you were going to have, says a lot. And, look... I think it's important to bring up that Texas did whoop Utah, who was widely considered to have the best defense in the Pac-12. You know, you saw guys like uh, Justin Herbert, you know, top quarterbacks struggle against U that Utah defense. But Texas handily, you know, they took care of Utah. Basically, well, I don't want to say without a problem, but they, they beat them down pretty bad. And that's a really good indicator of things to come, I would say. And so... With everything going on, unless Ellinger gets hurt or the season doesn't happen, it's really hard to believe that he won't take that next step forward and just be better, you know, and be and show off. You know, he finally has a roster that's a little bit more established. You know, you got some good transfers and Tariq Black from Michigan, who, you know, he was 
kind of forgotten a little bit there, but he's he's on the come up for sure. You know, you had the number one running back coming in. You have an offensive line who hasn't, you know, at least they have another year under their belt. I don't know how much you could expect out of them, but you could realistically expect better, maybe. I don't know, but I just believe that if Texas was to play out this season, you know, I just think that everything that I predicted will come true. They just got to play it out. That's it. Stay healthy, I guess. Actually, yeah, staying healthy is another one, too. Because that's something that uh, the boys have struggled with for the last two years. So, Well, if uh, Justin Herbert can be drafted in the first round, then Sam Ellinger definitely can, because I think Ellinger is at least better than Herbert. So we'll exactly. see what happens. Oh, God, I still can't believe Justin Herbert got drafted as early as he did. But we'll see what happens this upcoming year. And... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if Ellinger skyrockets up the boards and has a chance to compete for a championship of some sort. Hey, Liam, did you have something to add? No, I think you, you stated it very eloquently and very uh, very well. And um, ultimately, my knowledge in the in the entire situation is a little bit lacking. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think you've pretty well convinced me. Oh, really? Uh, I made you a believer? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, a Bellinger, one might say. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is uh, it is okay. obviously very hard to deal with lots of injuries and lots of, um, like, a lack of talent. Or maybe not lack of talent, but a lack of, like, transcendent talent like Burrow was potentially able to have. Um, I do think that, you know, they always say, like, iron strengthens iron, you know, or iron sharpens iron. Uh, so it's it's definitely a, a sense of like Joe Burrow enables his already really good receivers to e be even better and they enable him to be even better and so on and so on and so on until it's just like, well, here's 60 touchdowns in a season. You know what I mean? And so obviously if Ellinger just doesn't have that available to him, he's not going to be able to do as much with it. But he still did pretty respectful. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he could only handle, you know, what's in his hands. And, I mean, that's something that I'm pretty sure he's figured out a really long time ago. So, Yeah. Woody, what's your opinion? Do you think Sam Ellinger could realistically take that jump? Or are you just on the fence? I, I am on the fence right now just because... I'd have to say I, that I don't I'm know. on the I fence as well. Um. What? You just said you're a believer. Yeah, I'm a believer, but I, I'm on the fence that he could take a jump to 60 touchdowns in one season. Okay, uh, well, if he gets to 50, how about that? If he gets to 50, I think I think he could get to 50 if if Texas okay. built it around him, right, and built it truly around him and truly built it. If that I makes think, sense. I think that this year is a fair year to judge him because I'd say that. As far as for Heisman hopefuls go, he's competing against Justin Fields. And Ohio State just had a huge turnover of players going to the NFL, right? Which obviously isn't the same as, like, talent pool. But Justin Fields is playing with a pretty different squad than he did last year, and that includes the defensive side especially. And I think that, you know, if he's able to surpass Justin Fields and win the Heisman basically from under Justin Fields, then then I, I'd say he that the hype is warranted. But that that's kind of the expectations that he has to surpass for me. Yeah. 
mean, I see it happening. I just, like, I, I believe in the guy. Obviously, I'm biased. He, somebody who comes off to me as incredibly mentally tough. You know, he hasn't really given me any reason to doubt his progression. Right. So, I mean, he's only oh. 21, right? Think, so he's, he's, he's much he's, younger than Burrow. Yeah. So he's got plenty of time. He'll be 22 this year uh, by the time the season starts. And he's got a lot ahead of him. And For even sure. if he doesn't take that quantum leap in college, maybe he'll be the, the player who takes it in, in the NFL. You know what I mean? I could easily see him going first round in the NFL. He, oh, easily. Yeah, he'd also be good. complete. Uh, be competing against Trevor Lawrence this year. Almost forgot about that too. Yeah. So and if then, he beat yeah. out both of those guys for the Heisman, then I'll say that. Then I'll say it wasn't a bad take. I think he'll probably go. Uh, I, he'll probably lose to Trevor Lawrence for the Heisman. Uh, that would be my take, but. Um, I could easily see him going first round, just knowing how the past like five years have been for quarterbacks in the first round, how it's just like anybody really, you know, I mean, you you almost get like schlups coming out of the first round sometimes for quarterbacks. Justin Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Uh, So we'll see, you know, like I said, if or like Cody said, if Justin Herbert can go in the first round, then Sam Ellinger, who certainly seems better now that i've been able to watch like one highlight video of his uh <laughs> <laughs> um i think he'll be able to go in the first round pretty easily fair enough i mean i think he'll go in the first round i don't know if he'll win the heisman Trevor lawrence still has a much better squad than in my opinion than fields or ellinger so there's yeah. no excuse there even with him losing justin ross for the season already so I don't that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence much, is just a much larger name already. Yes. yes. I, I think Justin Fields might, but that's a good take, bad take for another day, I guess. There are a lot of takes made off of this one. Yeah, we'll have like a really meta episode where we just do good take, bad take to the 64th power sometime. <laughs> but, I'll say Mellinger's fault. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, what a guy. But anyways, is that it? Do you have any closing comments? Nope. Nope. Oh. Thank you for listening to the Cycle 365 on our 39th episode recorded on June 29th, 2020. Once again, happy early July 4th. Check us out on our social media at the Cycle 365 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. In addition, make sure you find our podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and youtube as well on the lookout for more mini series episodes i'm not gonna lie i don't know what which one is coming out next but i'm sure it's gonna be great because all of them have been great check them all out if you haven't yet and yeah i am one of your co-hosts simon villanos cody Stoffer, and current guest liam hughes and we'll we'll make it official if you uh come on Yeah, we'll see. But anyways, uh, that's it. Peace.